Hola, travelers, and welcome to Estelian Tales. Tonight, you'll hear a tale of magic, betrayal, and the darkness found between siblings. Your presenter tonight will weave you this Ebelonian tale of a betrayed doe. The tales of betrayal can be found throughout, between lovers and friends, from enemies and thieves. But it is worse when it comes from family, for one is supposed to be able to trust them without question. No one thinks that their family can betray them, and it is always surprising when it happens. This is a tale that forces one to realize that betrayal can come from anyone. In the distant past, there is a kingdom. A kingdom that was plagued with blood and screams of turmoil and devastation. For many years, this continued until the end of the dreaded Blood King, leaving behind a kingdom where the people had lost all faith in the royal family and chaos reigned. All male members of the royal family were quickly overruled by the people, no longer trusting them with their safety. How could they trust them with their protection if they willingly gave up their people to the bloody tyrant? Riots broke out. The males unable to maintain the peace were forced from their homes, fleeing into the forest or to neighboring kingdoms. It seemed that the chaos would reign for many more generations, for the stability of the kingdom was shattered. It would be believed that after all that happened, Avalon would crumble, dissolving into the neighboring kingdoms as they tried to take over the land. However, this was stopped by a young royal, one who was as sweet and kind as the Blood King was cruel and heartless. Where he would destroy, she tried to heal. Where the land was stained with blood, she wiped away the taint. She traveled throughout the kingdom, visiting the lost towns and small villages, offering healing and help. She became beloved by the people, and they sought to make her their queen. With much persuasion, the woman agreed, building a new castle far from the old, marking her new reign. The reign of Queen Annika Peruna, under the Perunia lineage. Under her rule, the kingdom started to prosper. No longer were the people living in fear, for they now have a royal that is for the people. In each town that she healed, one of her sisters would remain, making them a lady of the land. These new ladies worked in tangent with the queen, keeping the peace, bringing about prosperity and stability to the land. When the kingdom was at peace, Queen Annika fell in love. He was a simple commoner, one who wasn't attracted to power and didn't wish to be king. He fell in love with a woman who was so devoted to the people and had a large heart. They had a short courtship, and eventually they were wed. Although the people were still untrusting of the man, he was adamant about not becoming king, believing that the title should never again be used. He was content with the title of queen's consort. For as long as he was in love, he was happy. It wasn't long before that Queen Annika gave birth to two twin girls, both identical down to the last feature. At their birth, the girls had tufts of brown hair, dimples on each cheek, a small button nose, and big doe eyes so rich in color. At first glance, 
The queen and her consort fell in love with the girls, promising them a bright future filled with love. Queen Annika named the eldest twin Elaine and the youngest Tabitha, for their eyes reminded her of their deer prevalent to the Nymont woods. Construction of the Tempest Castle was well underway at the birth of the twins and was finished just days before the Festival of the Sun. The queen in her excitement wanted to celebrate the season in their new home and invited her entire family for the festivities. It was there that something amazing happened on the third night at the cusp of the solstice. At the stroke of noon, when the sun was high in the sky, the twins' hair started to change. Gone were their brown locks, for it was replaced with pale blonde hair. Their skin lost its milky whiteness, now tanned underneath the rising sun. Their eyes, once a deep dark brown, now gained a golden ring around the pupil and splattered flecks of gold throughout. Each twin had a small sun tattooed on their back, just along the spine, starting from between their shoulder blades. All these changes could mean one thing. The twins were sun-blessed. As Elaine and Tabitha grew older, they changed from adorable babies into beautiful women. Their pale blonde hair grew longer and shone brightly in the sunlight. Their skin forever sun-kissed by the sun, and their physique slender and tall. The girls became the light of the kingdom, fallen stars that shone brightly through the fog and the rain. It became impossible to tell each girl apart as long as they kept their tattoos covered, for that is where their physical differences ended. For Elaine's sun tattoo was brighter than Tabitha's. Although they were physically identical, their hearts told a different story. While Elaine was humble, sincere, and kind-hearted, Tabitha was grandiose, vain, and cruel. Growing up, Tabitha learned how to act like her older sister so that no one would believe that she had a different side to her. She watched how her sister would use her gifts to better the life of the people, helping them grow their crops and plants. She would also entertain guests with her dancing. Tabitha watched all of this and learned to copy everything her sister did, reaping the benefits of the social interactions. Although she did what her sister did, Tabitha grew jealous of Elaine. According to her, she was the one that her parents would dote on since she was the heir. Elaine was the one to receive the attention that she sought, for everyone migrated around her sister, never her. Even if they were together, Tabitha wouldn't receive the same amount of attention. Years of this allowed her jealousy to grow, and she grew spiteful. Keeping her feelings locked away, buried deep within her heart, she didn't realize that these negative feelings were slowly poisoning her with the essence of darkness, corrupting her completely. It was in the dead of night that Tabitha was stirred awake, a feeling of something calling her, drawing her away from her room toward the forest. She was helpless to the call, following out into the darkness. All around her was still. The only sound to be heard was the rustling of leaves beneath her feet and the steady heartbeat in her chest. The calling led her toward a hidden temple, buried deep within a cavern, covered in vines and overgrown in foliage. Entering the temple, 
she realized that it was dedicated to the worship of Kiros, the Lady of Darkness. Taking in the temple around her, she realized that it wasn't in a state of disrepair that she had assumed. Gone was the dust from the floor. The figures were polished and clean, and the candles were lit, giving off a warm glow. From behind her, she heard steps of someone coming toward her. Turning around, she saw a young man with unkempt hair as black as the deepest depths of the earth. His skin was the color of ash, and beneath his tunic, muscles rippled with each motion, showing off how powerful he could be. But it wasn't just his muscles that showed his power. No, it was also darkness that emitted from the man, deep and all-consuming. This new person introduced himself as Ryzen, the temple priest to the Dark Lady. He spoke of the darkness that he felt with Tabitha, a kinship of sorts. The longer he spoke, the more drawn Tabitha was to this smooth talker. Seduced by the darkness, she succumbed to his offer of teaching her all sorts of magic. Magic that she could use to make her enemies suffer, to make them do her bidding. And thus, she began her journey toward the darkness, looking away from the light, her heart now completely corrupted. In the nights following, Tabitha would return to the temple in the dead of night. Each night, Ryzen would teach something new, praise her while she succeeded, and encouraged her when she failed. This was the attention that she was lacking at home. She preened under his ministrations, basking in his affections. She learned how to manipulate the flow of energy, draining them of life and magic. How to enchant objects to perform many tasks, conjuring the spirits of light to destroy those around her, but most importantly, transfiguration. This was the hardest task that she could learn, for it draws on her magic to complete the shift and maintain a steady stream of magic between herself and the subject to keep it going. It was under one of these lessons that she came up with the idea of storing her magic within an amulet and placing it onto the subject so that the magic needed for the transfiguration would draw from it and not her. A perfect solution to the horrible plan she concocted. Before she knew it, a year had passed. In that year, the envy that she felt for her sister grew tenfold, and with it, her magic. On the eve of their 16th birthday, it was announced that her sister would marry a young lord from the newly established village of Rygate, located deep in the Nymont woods. He was only a couple years older than the twins, a strong and very capable hunter, but kind to those below his station. The young lord was quite attractive, enough that both of the twins felt their heart beat louder in his presence. They both wanted him, one for his heart and the other for his looks. When she heard the announcement, her anger grew. Outwardly, she congratulated her sister with false smiles and fake sentiment. Inwardly, she vowed that night that she would punish her sister for once again stealing something that she wanted. So, she planned. She spent many nights with Ryzen coming up with a fate worse than death. It would be easier to just kill her sister, but that wasn't enough. No, 
She needed to do something that would allow her sister to bear witness to everything she loved fall all around her. Together with her teacher, it took them seven nights before she felt prepared. Soon her sister would suffer, and she will be victorious. During the day after the seventh night, Tabitha asked her sister to join her on a riding venture along the coast of Daffin Cove before exploring the adjoining woods. She explained that this would be the only alone time that they would have before Elaine was to be whisked away with wedding preparations. She wanted to spend what remaining time she had left with her sister. Elaine, touched by what her sister said, readily agreed to the invitation, and the two decided that they would ride out in two days' time. Giving them ample amount of time to prepare for their journey, for the duration of the trip would take the girls six days before they are set to return. On the day of their departure, nothing was amiss. The sun was shining with clouds in sight. The girls convinced their parents that they didn't need an escort on their trip, for they were leaving behind evidence of their status, waiting to remain anonymous to any people they meet. This anonymity would be safer. With their bags packed and their horses saddled, the girls were ready for adventure. The first three days, things went well. They traveled along the coastline, breathing in the sea air. The weather remained in their favor and no one was around for miles. They spent their days riding and laughing and their nights sleeping amongst the stars. Away from the bustling castle, they felt free, untethered by the weight of responsibilities. The only thing that held any importance was their bond. It was on their fifth day that the weather started to take a turn for the worse. The sun disappearing as the clouds rolled in and a chill could be felt in the air. As the afternoon sun made its way across the sky, the twins came across a large clearing devoid of any trees. Just a large grassy plain perfect for a small picnic. Tabitha asked if they could stop here for a bit and rest up before continuing their journey home. Although she didn't like the look of the incoming clouds, Elaine agreed, and this would be a good spot to have a break, and while they were at it, have a quick lunch. What she didn't know was that this would be her last meal. The weather turned from tolerant to abysmal by the time they were ready to leave. The afternoon sun vanished from the sky. The trees started to bend and lose their leaves as the wind picked up. Tabitha watched as her sister tried to calm down her horse while packing up their impromptu picnic, unaware of the eerie presence that filled the air. She watched as Elaine finally realized that something was wrong, for her back stiffened and a hand still raised above her saddle. The moment that Elaine turned around with a face filled with weariness was the moment that Tabitha would forever save her. Her grin turned malicious as she felt the dark energy swirl around her, Elaine gasping in fright. Tabitha watched as with each step she took, her sister would retreat, wanting to flee. With another step, the dark energies heightened. The horse, spooked by what was happening, fled the scene, leaving the two girls. 
A frightened scream could be heard as Elaine tried to call back her horse, but to no avail. With another step forward, Tabitha watched her sister stumble to the ground. With another step, she stood over her sister, enjoying the sight of the elder trembling beneath her. She studied the prey before her, the trembling body, eyes wide with blown-out pupils, dirt covering her clothes. She heard whimpering, small and pitiful. As she was enjoying the sight, she barely heard her sister murmuring, Dear sister, what is the meaning of this? Oh, but she heard it. The shakiness of her voice, so thick in terror, it was music to her ears. Finally, she got the upper hand. She was in power. The feeling was intoxicating. In the euphoria of the situation, she threw her head back in laughter. It wasn't the sweet, innocent laughter that she always used. No, this one was laced with hate and spite. If the laugh wasn't bone-chilling enough, the words that she spoke would send her sister into chills. For far too long I have lived within your shadow, always being compared to you, never being enough in our parents' eye or the eye of the people. But no longer, no longer will you shine as bright. No longer will you get everything, while I get nothing, or even worse, your scraps. From this day forward, there shall be only one. Me. Witnessing the color fading from her sister, her glee surged. Reaching into her pouch, she pulled out a necklace that she prepared just for this occasion. Hanging from the black leather cord was a pendant in the shape of the sun, its metal gleaming in the sunless sky. It was clean and smooth, no imperfections. Inlaid in the metal was a pale green stone. Overall, it was a simple piece of jewelry, nothing special. It wasn't until she started chanting that it started to change. The paleness of the stone changed in vitality, the color growing in intensity. More magic flowed into the stone as her chanting grew stronger. The wind surrounding her picked up, whipping her hair all around her. Tabitha, so focused on her task, ignored the frightened cries of her sister, forced more magic into the jewel until it turned dark the green fading away into black. Once the stone was charged, Tabitha focused her energies onto her sister, freezing her into place. Elaine made not a sound, not a motion, not a single breath. The magic that swirled around Tabitha allowed her to keep her sister frozen. Moving quickly as her magic was fading quickly, She knelt by her sister, slipping the pendant around her neck. Once in place, she stepped away, the rest of her magic bleeding from her. Exhausted, she collapsed to the ground, a pleased smile creeping on her face as she watched her plan unfold before her very eyes. From her spot, she watched as her sister disappeared within a vortex of wind blocking her view of the transformation. She could hear the screams of her sister and the breaking of bones, 
her magic working without her interference. Minutes passed and her energy stabilized, but the vortex of wind didn't die down. The clouds above her darkened and she felt the light pattering of rain. Before she could get soaked, she pulled up her cloak and headed for the shelter of the trees, never allowing the vortex to fall out of sight. More minutes passed before the wind ceased. The screams of pain vanquished, the magic dying down. The rain picked up, but that didn't deter her from her spot. She needed to see her handiwork finished, wanting the validation that all her hard work wasn't for naught. With each passing minute, her impatience intensified. Not long afterwards, the vortex vanished, and what she saw made her smile in glee. Gone was her sister, and in her place was a young fawn with golden fur speckled white. It looked small, smaller than what she would have anticipated, but that was fine. In this form, Tabitha would be able to carry the young thing in her arms easily, especially since both of their horses had vanished. Gently she picked up the fawn and noticed that the necklace didn't disappear with the transformation. It glimmered with her magic, but only slightly. She frowned at the sight, not wanting people to think that it was magical, but she wasn't going to let it bother her either. If anyone asked about the tinge of magic, she would claim that the collar was imbued with a protection charm that would save the fawn from harm. With the fawn in her arms, she slowly made her way back home. This final leg of their journey would take her longer than anticipated, for their horses had vanished in the commotion. It was her luck that after a few hours of traveling, she heard horses coming towards her, the beating of their hooves, the clanging of metal striking against each other. As it got closer, she noticed the royal colors adorning the horses, the navy and the royal blue standing out against the grayness of her surroundings. She allowed a little bit of happiness to shine as she saw the guards before turning it to sadness. Using her acting skills, she portrayed someone that was mourning. The sadness she showed mixed with the fallen rain allowed for her deception to ring true. For when the head guard arrived, he asked if she was alright. As he dismounted, he explained that when the storm came, Queen Annika sent out their fastest and best soldiers to find them and bring them home safely. On their quickest mounts, they rode fast and hard into the storm, with no regard for their safety. When they came upon the horses and found no riders, they grew worried and quickened their pace, fearing that something happened to them. Tabitha listened to the guard's tale and adjusted hers slightly. Through the tears, she claimed that when they were thrown off at the first sign of trouble, their horses spooked at the sudden high winds. With the horses gone, they tried to make it to safety, but something happened. Tabitha, she claimed, lost her footing and fell down into a ravine. She tried to save her, but was too late. She was gone. The guard, hearing this tale, went to comfort the girl, before realizing what she was carrying. He asked about the fawn sleeping in her arms, 
and using her quick thinking, she said that after the passing of her younger sister, she came across the abandoned fawn. Feeling sympathetic, she wanted to care for the creature and decided to take the fawn with her. Princess Elaine, your generosity and kindness know no bound, the guard said, praising her. Tabitha had to hold back a sneer, for she knew that the praise wouldn't have been uttered if she revealed her identity. She shuddered at the thought. Luckily for her, this action halted anything else that he would have said. The guard mistook her shaking for being cold and ordered one of the underlings to fetch the princess a warm cloak. Once bundled, he lifted the princess up onto his horse and climbed up behind her. When they were positioned, they journeyed toward the castle. The journey home took less time, for the guards had a renewed purpose. They needed to get their princess home before she fell sick in the weather. Tabitha soaked in the warmth of the guard behind her, and tightly held on to the fawn in her lap. Things couldn't have gone any better, she thought. If it was going to be this easy to fool them, then she would have no problem with her parents. Keeping quiet, she found herself being lulled to sleep to the sounds of hooves, the steady breath of the body behind her, and the warmth provided by the cloak. Upon waking, she found herself surrounded by silk and fur. Blinking away the sleep, she found that she was in her sister's chamber. In her sleep-deprived state, she looked around confused, until she spotted the fawn sleeping on a pillow next to the fire. At this sight, everything came back to her. The rush of magic, the screams of her sister, the satisfaction that she's finally done it. Before she could bask in her accomplishment, a sneeze tore through her, causing a coughing fit. Apparently, this was loud enough that her mother came rushing in, coddling her before pushing her back onto the pillows. Once she was comfortable again, her mother asked what happened, putting on a mournful expression again. Tabitha explained all of what happened about being thrown off their horses, about walking home before tragedy struck. She choked up when she explained what happened to her sister, tears falling and hiccuping as she tried to explain. Through her fingers, she watched as the fawn finally awoke from its slumber, its gaze falling on the two of them, confusion clouding its gaze before the realization of the situation made its way through. She hid her smirk behind her hands, before composing herself. Turning away from the creature, she turned toward her mother, seeking the comfort that only she could provide. She had finally won. Within the embrace of her mother, she relished in the joy and sick satisfaction that she would now be queen. She would be able to marry the charming young lord and live the life that she always wanted. Finally away from the shadows of her sister and be thrust into the sunlight. All the while, her sister would watch from the sidelines, stuck in a body that wasn't hers. She would watch as Tabitha would be called a name that wasn't hers, claim a title that wasn't her birthright. She would never be allowed to flee the castle 
nor interfere with anything. No longer a part of the family, but reduced to the royal pet. As mentioned in the beginning, betrayal can come at the most unexpected time. The worst is when it happens with one's family. When you believe that everything is alright. When one ignores the fact that the deepest of shadows are cast within the brightest of households. So be wary, dear listeners, and watch your back. For you will never know when disaster and betrayal will strike. However, this is not the end of one such tale. For whatever happened to Princess Elaine... Does she remain trapped within this new body? Will there ever be retribution? And what about Princess Tabitha? Does she remain victorious? Or will she become a victim of karma? Well, my dear listeners, that is a tale for another time. Allez, travelers! It's Phelan Wolfthorn, and with me is Sitar of Lattice. We thank you for listening to tonight's production of Astelian Tales. For more information, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Astelian Bards, or visit us at TravelsThroughAstelia.com if you wish to dive deeper into the stories and learn more about our great land. We ask that you leave feedback and contact us if you want to learn more about a certain tale or topic, and we will discuss these queries during Astelian Tales behind the tale. We are always looking to improve, and your feedback may prove invaluable in this venture. Thank you for tuning in, and we bid you all a great day and safe travels.